Good morning, I'm Karen and I'm reading a collection of verses from Proverbs, finishing with a verse from Ephesians. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away anger. An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Ephesians 4.26 In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Well, friends, when it comes to anger, it is just all too easy to find examples. And I need to look no further than myself. Most people have a few common triggers for anger. And sadly, my children can tell you that one of mine is inanimate objects not doing what they're supposed to do. Picture this. We had, we had visitors coming, so I go to mow the lawn. Now, the mower doesn't start for ages, but that's pretty normal. And then after about the 35th tug of that cord, a few little ticks nearly kicks over, but doesn't quite. So close. So do a really big one, and the cord just keeps coming right out of the mower. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, now, you know, there's more smoke coming out of me than the mower at that point. So I go to get some tools take the top off, remove the broken piece, feed the cord back through, tie a little knot in it and uh, get ready for it to go again. Now, the trouble is the cord's now that much shorter. So I'm like, like this, trying to get it going. And, and you wouldn't believe it, fifth tug on that cord and out she comes again. Now I'm speaking to the mower. It's one of those moments you're supposed to like, have a quick look around and make sure the neighbours aren't watching. So now I'm speaking to the mower, tender words of grace and forgiveness, <laughs> not. Uh, the fact that I bought it for 35 bucks at a garage sale seven years earlier is irrelevant at this present moment. Uh, the fact that it's held together with uh, scrap metal and rivets and uh, more than half a roll of tie wire is also relevant. Uh, can, I, can I just ask, has anyone tried to mow the entire lawn with a whippersnapper? Uh, needless to say, that mower did not make it into the pool room. The angle grinder that chopped it up might, though. <laughs> it's funny looking back. Well, yeah, sort of. I'm a bit, bit scarred, actually. Uh, but the truth is, anger is something we all experience. It's rising up inside. We can feel it. What are we going to do with it? And, and what we do with it, it profoundly shapes not only our lives but the lives of those around us. And when our anger is unfairly aimed at a human being instead of a mower, and it's usually the ones that we live with, those closest to us, it can cause lifelong scars. I know some people here live with that reality. So let's ask for God's help now. As we look at his word, Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Let's pray with that in mind. Dear Father, as we come to your word now and explore your wisdom regarding anger, please help us take refuge in you. 
Help us understand your wisdom and choose to honour you in this powerful and often painful area of our lives. Help us not deny our anger or blame others for it, but to recognise the danger and the devastation that it can cause. Help us also recognise that no wound is too great for you to heal and no sin pushes us beyond the reach of the forgiveness and grace you offer through our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, as we come to today's theme of anger, I think uh, we need to remember that God has seen every act of human anger since the beginning of the world. And he's dealt with perpetrators of harm and and victims of harm fueled by anger uh, in ways that express both his righteousness and his love. And so we've got so much to learn from him in this area of anger. Um, it's an interesting moment in our series, actually, as I was reflecting on it, because after laying the foundation for embracing God's wisdom in the first three weeks, uh, you know, fear the Lord, trust the Lord, obey the Lord, all comes together when we trust the Lord Jesus. He makes us righteous in God's sight. And then he gives us the strength and, and teaches us how to live out that righteousness as we follow him. And then next we considered his wisdom and how it radically shapes relationships. We looked at marriage, family and friendship. And today we're considering God's wisdom. And over the next few weeks, uh, today, uh, God's wisdom about one of the greatest threats to marriage, family and and friendship. Anger has the potential to disrupt and destroy relationships. But as we'll see, it also has the power to protect and strengthen them when submitted to God and harnessed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Here's my approach. I've actually found it really hard just kind of like unpack all this from Proverbs. So here's my disclaimer, right? Uh, The book of Proverbs gives us lots of sayings about anger, really insightful. Not a complete theology, but, but lots of great insight. Other books of the Bible provide stories that illustrate those insights. And I've chosen the story of Cain and Abel uh, for today. And then lastly, we need to look to Jesus to see how he not only forgives us when our anger causes us to sin, but he also teaches us and empowers us to take control of anger before anger takes control of us. And the first thing to know, and this may come as a surprise, but according to God's word, Anger is not sin. In fact, of the 381 references to anger in the Bible, more than half of them are about God's anger. And he does not sin. God gave us life and breath and family and friends and food and the whole creation of delights. And he tells us how to enjoy it. And what do we do? Well, we take the gifts and ignore the giver. We go our own way. We reject him, rebel against him in so many ways. And he has the right to be angry at us because of that. And the Bible shows us that God's anger is a just response to human sin and rebellion. And points us ultimately towards that final day of judgment when every human heart will be laid bare before him. That's why Proverbs 28.14 says, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. 
In other words, recognize that God is God and we are not, and he holds us accountable. But the Bible also reveals that God's anger is balanced by his patience and compassion and mercy. I love how Psalm 103 puts it. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. See how God's anger is located within the context of his love. Now, some people like to think of God as, uh, as all love and gentleness, like a kind of cotton wool Santa in the sky who, who never gets angry and just gives us whatever we want and never gets upset or angry about anything. But the God of the Bible does get angry. His love doesn't preclude it. And when he expresses his anger, it's perfectly controlled and measured by his love. To use the language of Proverbs chapter 1, God always does what is right and just and fair. Like a parent who, who might be angry at their child's disobedience, but maintains self-control. Then in, instead of venting their frustration on their child, they're able to discipline them in a manner that is best for the child's maturity and growth. As we reflect on that connection between God's love and anger, the most extraordinary example is found in the cross. For there, God's anger against our sin is poured out on Jesus so that sinful people like me and you can receive his love and forgiveness through faith in Christ who paid the penalty for us. Ah, but some will say, that's God. I mean, he's perfect. He doesn't have all the problems and temptations that we have. Of course he can be angry without sinning. Well, consider Jesus, the fullness of God, but in the frailty of being human. He got angry, didn't he? And he acted on it. Remember when he cleared the money changes from the temple? John's gospel even adds this detail. He made a whip of cords and drove all from the temple courts. And yet Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He didn't have a short fuse and explode without thinking. But he did respond to a serious offence with deliberate, measured anger. But, but that's still Jesus. I mean, what about sinful people like me and you? Or Cain? Did you notice God's words to Cain when he was angry? That reading from Genesis, he says, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is at the door, but it's not in the house yet. It desires to have you, but it hasn't already got you. Cain is angry, but what happens next determines if anger leads him into sin 
or to a righteous way of controlling and expressing his anger. Sadly, anger is such fertile soil for sin to flourish. But the feeling of anger in itself is not sin. What's more, anger is a normal and universal human emotion. It's a bit like pain. It tells us something is wrong in a situation. It reminds us we're living in a sin-broken world that needs to be redeemed. So here's a thought. When you're angry, try thanking God because he understands and thank him because he has promised it won't be like this forever. In Christ, he has redeemed us for an eternity free of anger. Anger is a response to internal or external triggers. Your triggers might be different to my triggers. We all have them. It could be a person at work or a really slow driver. It could be a really fast driver that cuts you off. It could be a situation like a cancelled flight or a long line at the supermarket checkout when you're in a rush. It can be triggered by personal problems or painful memories. Sometimes our anger is in response to the sinful actions of others. But equally, it can, be, can reveal the sinfulness and selfishness of our own hearts. For Cain, it was the pain of comparison to his brother who had done the right thing. How many times are families ripped apart because of anger that's fueled by jealousy, rivalry and bitterness? We so easily blame others for our anger or blame God himself as though that somehow gives us an excuse to stay angry. Not my fault. Proverbs 19.3 says, A person's own folly leads them to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. It's actually a pretty accurate description of Cain and perhaps us too sometimes. And remember God's words to him. Sin is crouching at your door. Desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Tragically, Cain failed to rule over it. Instead, anger ruled over him and he killed his brother. What a devastating moment in the unfolding narrative of, of our world. So we need to recognize that, that anger is a powerful, powerful force. An uncontrolled anger can be overwhelming. Proverbs 29, uh, 22 says, An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. So true, isn't it? So true. Maybe you haven't killed someone like Cain did, but most of us have at least harmed, hurt, slandered, mocked, or even murdered people in our hearts. Remember, Jesus said that's the same before God. You know, sometimes we don't express our anger in outward rage, but it steams out of our attitudes and our facial expressions and our behaviour in that kind of passive-aggressive silence. And when we do communicate, we may not use physical violence, but we use the equally damaging weapons of unforgiveness, malice and slander. When we are angry, we must 
hear God's words loud and clear. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. While the emotional feeling of anger is not sin, in human hearts it so easily leads to sin. James 1.19 says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. That's one of the hardest bits of the Bible to obey, isn't it? (laughs) Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Godly wisdom means exercising self-control when we're angry. So when we feel hot under the collar, and the blood begins to boil, what can we do? Well, there's lots of things. Proverbs gives us three great nuggets of wisdom. Firstly, it's really easy to get angry when someone is angry at us, kind of responding. So we need to be careful that we don't get caught up in it. Proverbs 22, John quoted this last week. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. So We need to be wise in that way. Instead of that, when we're faced by an angry person, it's great to learn and memorize Proverbs 15.1. We've got it on the back of the toilet door. I put it there a few years ago. I hope everyone's read it. Um, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And while we're at it, let's add at Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. In other words, think Before we speak or act, in two weeks I'm speaking on the power of words, what we say and how we say it, so important. Proverbs reminds us that it's especially important to respond to an angry person with gentleness and kindness. It lifts the lid off the pressure cooker a bit. Proverbs 21.14 even suggests a gift given in secret soothes anger, kindness, gentleness, generosity, grace. It's the last thing an angry person expects. And yet it models the very nature of our God. He doesn't respond to us as our sins deserve, does he? But gives us grace instead. Uh, Ephesians 4, again, puts some of this together. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. That's all the bad uh, expressions of anger. Uh, It's a natural sinful reaction, though, isn't it, all those things? Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Uh, The second point from Proverbs is this. Several verses promote patience as the antidote to exploding in anger. For example, Proverbs 14, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Proverbs 15, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Again in chapter 16, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Friends, patience is part of the glorious fruit of God's Holy Spirit described in Galatians chapter 5. So ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit and make you more patient, to bring out that that beautiful quality of patience. Ask him to help you to consider the cause of the anger you feel. Learn to ask questions about the situation. And about the people involved to gain understanding before doing or saying things that 
we almost always regret when we think about it later. When we experience conflict, when we disagree, presume the best and clarify rather than assume the worst and defend or attack. Patience is it's more than just a virtue. It's a characteristic of God himself that he loves to grow and develop in his children. Look to him for strength. Thirdly, Proverbs encourages us to work things through, to resolve the cause of our anger. Proverbs 29.11, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Takes time. But do all we can to resolve those conflicts. It's similar to Paul again in Ephesians 4, where he says, in your anger... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. The command is not to avoid anger or suppress it or ignore it, but to deal with it properly and in a timely manner. Now, let's not be legalistic about the the sunset bit, right? Like husbands, don't say to your fives, look, it's 7.32 and I know you're raging mad at me. We've got two minutes to calm down because we're going to be all smiles by the time the sun sets. Clouds might be orange. That's just a signal to get this done, right? Um, Not like that. The idea is don't let things fester day after day after day. Don't let over time, don't let a bitter root grow in your heart. Face the issues. Deal with them. Talk them through. Get help if needed. But if we ignore things that are causing us to feel angry, we're in danger of exploding and responding in ways that dishonour God. And can I say this? From my own experience, the change required has often been in me, not the other person. If you simply cannot resolve something and feel you have been wrong, then consider Proverbs uh, 20, Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. God promises justice. He doesn't promise a time frame. And it may be on that final day of judgment, but justice will be done. So, friends, God gives us two paths to choose from, wisdom or folly, anger measured by love and directed and controlled by love with a desire to honour God and love others, or just exploding without any thought. May God give us wisdom and strength to take control of anger before anger takes control of us. Amen.